0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story. This is Chelsea. I'm here with my co-host Ryan, and we are still in Joshua, um, kind of going back into what's going to be the Israelites crossing the Jordan and going into Canaan and... Yeah, actually some very interesting things happen in today's
1: reading. Um, a lot of, of really good stories happen in this yeah. piece.
0: Uh, what's that out to you?
1: Several things. Uh, the first thing, <laughs> do you like that? Does it feel like I'm going to monopolize the whole conversation?
0: <laughs> sure. I'm just, I'll just sit back, <laughs> uh, drink my first of all, God hot cares, water in a mug.
1: God cares very much about future generations. That's why, like, he continues to say, like, Set up these stones, make some pillars, tell your kids. Like, it is very important, and it remains very important that we tell our kids about who God is and what He's done. Mm -hmm. Um, If we stop doing that in a very real and active way, or if we start trusting other people to do that for us, we're in a bad place. Mm -hmm. So, like, one of the first things that God tells Joshua, and as Israel, as they're crossing the Jordan, is pile up these stones so that your kids will see them and you will explain what they are. I love that. Um, The next thing that I love is this captain of the Lord's army. Who is this guy? So Joshua's getting ready to go in to take over the Promised Land. Uh, well, he's going like, to take over Jericho, basically. Um, and he meets the captain of the Lord's army, like, in the middle of the night, I guess, with his sword drawn. And he's like, who are you and whose side are you on? <laughs> um, which makes a lot of sense. If you yeah. meet a guy with a sword in the middle of the night, you're gonna be like, are you for me or against me? <laughs> uh, but I love the answer, and I think there's probably some digging we could do into this answer. He basically says, I'm not for either of you. Um, you're dumb. Sort of. (laughs)
0: That's not what he says. (laughs) He's the commander of the Lord's army. But it is interesting because my, my guess would be like, oh, friend, like friend or foe, it'd be friend of Joshua. But this guy's like, neither one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, why is that? I mean, you would expect that this is the perfect time in God's whole story for the captain of the Lord's army to be like, I am for you, and I am ready to slaughter. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. But <laughs> that's not what he says. He so said, I'm not for either one of you, and you better get your shoes off because you're on holy ground right now. So, one, this is like a callback uh, to Moses. It's a callback to Jacob. Um, times where these men met, um, you know, you, you could say, and, and this is out there, that men, these men met— Jesus out in the wilderness, uh, preparing them for ministry. This Mm -hmm. could be one of those Christophanies could be, it could be unproven. (laughs) It's hard to prove it's already happened. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to think that this is actually the captain of the Lord's army, Um, whoever that is. It could be Jesus. That's a very cool idea. I think that it's a little bit easier to make the case with some of the other characters that we've met that seem like Christophanes. Mm -hmm. Um, But don't get lost on that detail. Get lost on the fact that he's neither for or against them. I Mm -hmm. love that. Uh, Because I think it's very easy for us to think like, well, God is definitely for this group at this time, Mm -hmm. Um, but he actually chooses to be for neither, uh, and he wants to draw attention to the holiness of God and the importance of the, the the moment rather than who he's fighting for.
0: It is interesting that nothing else really happens. The commander isn't like, yep, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. It's just like an encounter with, you're, you're right, the holiness of God. Yeah. Um, and Joshua's response is great. I mean, he does exactly um, what the angelic slash Jesus, slash whoever this person is, says, and you kind of mentioned this too, of just Moses argued and made excuses. Um, Jacob wrestled with um, the person he met, um, but Joshua just bows down and says, what do you want me to do? Yeah.
1: Joshua has a real reverence. Uh, You get the sense that Joshua is already prepared for what's in front of him, Mm -hmm. more so maybe than Moses and Jacob. Um, and, and, And you also get the sense that there is about to be something very, awesome that's about to happen.
0: Yeah. And what is that awesome thing, Ryan?
1: Uh, I mean, do do you want to give your VeggieTales version? or (laughs) We did realize that most of what we know about about this story came from VeggieTales with the French peas and the slushies.
0: I'm reading this and I'm like... I keep waiting for the people on top of the wall to start making fun of the Israelites for marching around the wall instead of like fighting, but it never happened. It it did not happen, unfortunately. <laughs> there
1: are no French peas. So no slushies. The, the the very basic thing here is that they did not take this city in the way that you would assume. Mm-hmm. That there was not, you know, smashing down the walls. Mm-hmm. They took this city by faith in God. Mm-hmm. Which is very cool because that is not what the generations prior to them was able to do.
0: Right. And, can I interrupt you? 100%. And this feels like a second exodus. Yes. So, Joshua encounters a burning bush, quote unquote. Um, They cross the Jordan River on dry ground, just like the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And now they are defeating an enemy through miraculous things, not through anything that they're doing. It just feels like a second exodus. And I think it's a grace for God to show this second generation of Israelites exactly what He showed the first generation. Because it could have just been like, this is what happened. You're not going to remember any of it. But He's kind of like doing this all over again so that they can tell their children, hey, we saw this and it happened to the generation before us. And I mean, the Lord's going to keep doing miraculous things throughout this whole Bible. So, Buckle up. (laughs) Also,
1: did you know Jericho is an actual excavated city? Like, we know where it is. We know where the remains of Jericho are. Mm -hmm. And the leading consensus on it is that some very strange catastrophic event in history caused Jericho's walls to fall outward. It's one of the only excavated ancient cities That has outward fallen walls. I think
0: either you told me that, or someone else. One of my favorite fun facts.
1: Um, So, if you if you are somebody that's very intrigued by like a historical basis for the Bible, Mm -hmm. the city of Jericho is very important to making the historical case for the Bible uh, because you can go and see the city of Jericho, and archaeologists will say that there's (laughs) some strange reason that leaves this city with outward fallen walls. So. Just for two seconds, like if you're going to take a city with an army like everybody used to do in those times, Mm -hmm. like you use a battering ram, you use an army, you crush the walls inward. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very, very odd and very unique to find an ancient city with walls that are falling outward. Mm -hmm. Um, So we look at this and we say, yeah, of course, that's what happened. Like they marched around it and they Mm -hmm. shouted and the walls fell down and God made them fall outward, not inward. It's very very cool cool to me. Yeah.
0: And uh Rahab,
1: yeah, Rahab gets out. Our friend Rahab, <laughs> yeah,
0: I like her. <laughs> I like how Josh is just like go to that prostitute's house and get her out. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Um, anything else to got to you today?
1: No, I love I love this. <laughs> I would go back and read it again. Yeah, uh, it's just it's very cool.
0: Definitely listen to today's reading if yeah. you haven't, or if you haven't read it yet, or if you okay. haven't listened to it yet. Go ahead and listen to it after this, and um. Maybe compare your your version of Veggie Tales, Jericho, to the actual biblical version.
1: Just see if you can find those.
0: You might, you might actually
1: believe facts then. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> all right, guys, thanks so much for listening to God's whole story. We will see you tomorrow. See ya. Bye.
0: Joshua three, beginning in verse one. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. So they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you, just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the ark of the covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks, but as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe, and tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight." So Joshua called together the twelve men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, twelve stones in all, one for each of the tri- twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So the men did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe, just as the Lord told Joshua. They carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. Joshua also set up another pile of 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, at the place where the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant were standing. And they are there to this day. The priests who were carrying the Ark stood in the middle of the river until all the Lord's commands, as Moses had given to Joshua, were carried out. Meanwhile, the people hurried across the riverbed, and when everyone was safely on the other side, the priests crossed over with the ark of the Lord as the people watched. The armed warriors from the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh led the Israelites across the Jordan just as Moses had directed. These armed men, about 40,000 strong, were ready for battle, and the Lord was with them as they crossed over to the plains of Jericho." That day, the Lord made Joshua a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites, and for the rest of his life they revered him as much as they revered Moses. The Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the riverbed. So Joshua gave the command. As soon as the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came up from the riverbed and their feet were on high ground, the water of the Jordan returned and overflowed its banks as before. The people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What did these stones mean? Then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before the, your eyes, and He kept it dry until you were all across, just as He did at the Red Sea when He dried it up until we had all crossed over." He did this so that all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, "Make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites." So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel at Gibeah Haraloth. Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in the battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed He would not let them enter the land He had sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey." So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that place had been called Gilgal to this day. While the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell down with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times, with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast from the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave the orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord." After Joshua spoke to the people, seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark, with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. At the, all this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town, Jericho, and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys." Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who have been spies went in and brought, Ra- brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies joshua sent to jericho and she lives among the israelites to this day at that time joshua invoked this curse may the curse of the lord fall on anyone who tries to rebuild the town of jericho at the cost of his firstborn son he will lay its foundation at the cost of its youngest son he will set up its gates so the lord was with joshua and his reputation spread throughout the land
1: Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcasts at podcastworshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you